0: Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk
1: with your host, C.J. Reynolds. So those of you that are checking this out, this is my co-teacher, Miss Yonkers, and if you're not as familiar with the teaching world, what that means is we both teach the same class and we just kind of like split it up into parts, but we're both in the same class every day. And... So I wanted, I've i had a lot of people reach out and ask about teaching special ed or like uh, questions about IEPs or differentiating instruction. And so I thought it would be really helpful to have someone that I knew and someone that I trusted come on and talk about a number of those things. And um, Ms. Yonkers, could you please talk about yourself a little bit?
0: Happy to. Hi, on our YouTube you now. Um, I'm Bethany, so I have been teaching special ed. This will be my eighth year. Um, I've taught in emotional support, learning support, self-contained, I taught in Hawaii for two years, that was pretty cool, um, mostly in Philly though, and before that I was working with the ARC, which is where uh, Association for Retarded Citizens, so I've worked with kids of all different age groups into adults with different neurological differences. So
1: Why special ed?
0: Um, so unlike you... I knew what I wanted to do from the time I was really young. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had a, a friend in elementary school. His name was Glenn. He had Down syndrome. And he was just like my bestie. And I think my teachers kind of, I'm going to fault my teachers for this. They kind of molded me to be a teacher. Um, because I was always sat next to like the youth of the class, like the class clowns and the kids who like didn't do their work. I was the student that, you, you put anywhere because they're, they're like...
1: You were the buffer child. I was. Yeah.
0: I was the buffer child. Um, and then, yeah, I used to, like, line my stuffed animals up and, like, read books and make them do work. Nice. <laughs> That's what I did. That's actually... As a kid.
1: I love that idea, though. Yeah. Uh, so, for those of you that, like, I've talked about this a little bit more, and if you have any questions about special education, you can go ahead and start putting them in on YouTube or you now, or you could just go ahead and uh, type in any questions you have about anything, and we'll try and get to all those questions as we can. Uh, I also didn't say, if you're watching this on the replay, you can go ahead and type your questions in the bottom also, and we'll get back to every single one of those as well. And so if I don't get back to it, or you have something for Yonkers, which, by the way, when you start teaching, (laughs) you don't call people by their first name anymore, it's just Yonkers. Uh, no one has a first name. So you can type those in, and I'll absolutely get back to those. Or if you're listening to this on the podcast, you can go ahead and type those in on YouTube or send me an email or a DM or a message, and either one of us will get back to those as well. So this year, we're starting a new class. And it's not completely original to the world, but it's different for our school. Uh, Miss Yonkers came back halfway through last school year when I had already had two co-teachers leave. I am very hard to teach with, apparently. And uh, so we started teaching together, and it went so well, but we started kind of being concerned for students that we going to go into 10th grade next year. Not, not to say anything about our 10th grade staff, but the fact that when kids go from one grade to the next and they don't know the teacher, there's always that dip in the beginning of the year of like figuring out different people's personalities and their learning styles and, and where to seat kids. And we just felt like if we took students from the ninth grade into the tenth grade, um, my <laughs> wife is walking all around the table right now. And this now. is
0: why I teach what I teach because I can't. <laughs> this is uh, it,
1: this is, because the beast got out of the kitchen. So and I still um, can't she's doing out. a good job. She's like a, a ninja wife. So that's why she's not so secret. But anyway, <laughs> we have this idea of like. Teaching the kids two years in a row and what that allows us to do is already know who they are, already know where they should sit, already know if they should have been in that class to begin with in ninth grade or not have been in that class. And so and also for next year, the kids that are moving up until 10th grade or into 10th grade, we can we can pull maybe some other kids from other classes that we thought think would be really good to be in a class like that to be support for students who might need it or to be a good example for students that might need it. So, we'll be teaching ninth grade and tenth grade. And then the students that have us in ninth grade this year, next year they will have us in tenth grade. And so, we both also decided that, and I talked about this in my latest video on YouTube, this is going to be the greatest year ever. And so, we just had a meeting actually right before this <laughs> broadcast on some of the things we're going to do to make it the greatest year ever. So, uh, yeah, that's it. So, we're going to go into the first question, Michael. A Kessinger,
0: oh man, awesome. Uh, I'm so thing. awesome,
1: man. See, I'm glad you're as good I as I am with saying names. Uh,
0: well, we got a like.
1: So, <laughs> love looping. My mom is that the term for what we're doing? Yeah, looping. Okay, so uh, my mom has been looping with her little ones for 20 years and refuses to do it any mm-hmm. other way, hoping to get the opportunity to do it too. I, I'm really hoping that it works out. I know. Folks have tried it at our school before with varying degrees of success, and sometimes that's because someone just, like, wasn't in love with teaching that class. Because, as you know, like, when you start teaching, you don't always get the class that you wanted to teach. Like, Mm -hmm. sometimes they put you in whatever they want to. Um, So, I feel like this was our opportunity to, like, make a class and then just do it. Like, we got – we kind of, like, put this wish out there to the school, and then they just – granted us every single thing that we asked for. Um, so now it's kind of up to us. Yeah. Do you feel any pressure about that?
0: Um, yeah, slightly. I, I feel like I can understand why you would like looping with your kids because you already know their strengths and weaknesses. So, like, going into the school year in September, I don't have to worry about, like, figuring out, um, like, what they need to work on because for our sophomores anyway, well we know we know them. And yes. so – we know what we need to look for. We know where we need to sit certain people, um, and I feel like that lag that they have from like summer regression, it, we're just gonna close it a little bit quicker because we already know what we're, we need to work on with
1: them. Yeah.
0: So pressure. Nah.
1: Any pressure <laughs> in the fact that we told those ninth graders that if they have us in tenth grade, it would be their best year in school ever?
0: Um, no, because I this is the best classroom ever.
1: It's gonna be the best. I don't even ever.
0: need to. It really is.
1: For me, anyway. I don't
0: want to <laughs> down-talk anyone
1: else's situation. Um, so, what's the... So, uh, Senior S... Senior S is on here every week. Um, Yay, Senior S. He is asking, what's the biggest challenge of mm. team teaching? So...
0: Well, man, I can, maybe, yeah, I can take that it. one. So, I came back mid-year, which was, like, already a challenge in and of itself. Um, and so, I think, for me, it was finding that... Um, like, my voice in the classroom, because you don't, as the special education teacher, I mean, ideally, our kids wouldn't know who's the special education teacher and who's the regular ed teacher, Um, but it's figuring out, like, how not to step on toes, but then also have your voice and also have the kids see you as a teacher in the classroom and not, like, an aide or um, just someone, your assistant, which I was called this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, the kids said that she was my, yo, Reynolds. She's the best assistant that yeah. you've had all year. Or kids would go, wait, so what exactly is your job? Like, what do you do? And one of the things I'm looking forward to in the beginning of the year is, like, starting out and being able to, like, blend the class so that it's yeah. our class. Where last year it was very clearly my class, at least at first, and then it kind of moved more into our class as yeah. the year went on. I know in the past, though, Senior S, uh, that I've it's finding people you gel with. And so we, the, our relationship was really funny because we didn't really talk before because she was on like a different floor or something like that. <laughs> and then right before she left to go to Hawaii, we all went out one night for drinks or dinner or something. And uh, it's like constantly talk about drinking. It's, on graduation, no, it's
0: graduation. Yeah.
1: And yeah. we had a really, really for great reason. conversation.
0: Yeah.
1: It was awesome. And then, I just and then as soon as the as soon as I heard that there was a chance she might be coming back, I started like rallying other teachers and trying to get like (laughs) people to support this idea that she should come back because I just knew it would be great. Because I've worked with folks before where you're in the same classroom before and maybe you do get to a place where you uh, can work together, but it can take a really really long time and it's just it's painful sometimes and the kids. Like, if they have a different classroom management style than you do, and or if they're, like, more lax and you're more strict, like, it just, it's really, really hard to keep that kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: and the kids if the kids play, like, a mom and dad, like, they'll ask me something, and I'll say no, and then they'll go and they'll ask Reynolds. So if you have that, like, a not a great relationship with your co-teacher, sometimes that can kind of cause some tensions, and the kids pick up on that. Yeah. They're super in tune to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, this is- yeah. and then they try to exploit that yeah. stuff. So. Uh, The Scottish Teaching Ninja. Uh, She's on here. I love
0: that name. Yeah. So
1: how will it work in terms of the curriculum? Are the curriculums different ninth and 10th? That's really interesting because we've been writing, rewriting the entire curriculum for both of those. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, so that, it's exciting, stressful, because, I mean, something that's really great about our school is we have the autonomy to, to do what we would like. However, there's so much stuff out there that, like, you start looking up stuff and then you're, like, overwhelmed because you're, like, what if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And, like, common core standards are, like, students should be able to read at ninth grade reading level. Yeah. And they should. How do I get them to read at ninth grade reading level?
1: Well, And it's a lot of new books that neither one of us have taught before Mm-mm. or stuff that I haven't read in a really long time. So, like, 10th grade will be – so, ninth grade will be reading The Odyssey – Merchant of Venice, which is, man- Merchant of Venice is the only mandatory book. Uh, Lord of the Flies, but we're going to read that as a play so that more students can read at one time. And then a short story unit and then a to-be-determined book, I think, so far. And then 10th grade, we're teaching Night, which I haven't read since college. Julius Caesar, which I haven't read since yeah. college. Um and a whole bunch of other depressing Maybe,
0: books. Maybe, yeah, 10th grade year. It's all it's sad books so sad.
1: this year. Yeah, it's uh. Oh, it's going to be interesting.
0: That just doesn't fit us.
1: Nope, I don't know how I make <laughs> jokes when we read sad books all the time. So, so um, uh, insert clever name. Good work. Uh,
0: uh,
1: Asked: are co-teachers commonplace in your school?
0: Wait, I'm sorry. I'm are
1: co-teachers go. commonplace in our school?
0: Commonplace?
1: Like, like, common yeah. practice. Yeah, I
0: don't... Um, uh, co-teachers. Yeah, well, we have English and Math.
1: But I, do you, you feel, like? I feel like they're co-taught, or is it, like, more One like there's an aide in the room?
0: Um...
1: I think they have been.
0: Okay, well, so it depends. Um, I was lucky enough to... I'm lucky enough this year to be teaching four classes, so I see us... I see... I see myself taking over your class. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, just back. I think that I will have the opportunity to, to to do that. I think speaking from the special education side of it, a lot of times they're, we're working with like four or five teachers, and to be able to go into four or five different classes and be in, responsible for that curriculum is really difficult. So it does turn more into like a, I'm just going to help and assist Um but that's what, that yeah. was part of my dream on the dream team, uh, <laughs> uh, was being able to do that and being the, the, having that consistency. And that's something that I saw when I went yeah. to Hawaii that I really liked is the co-teachers were together all day. I mean, it was a much bigger school, but they were together all day um, and I liked that.
1: Yeah, I, that makes sense. So if you have like a teacher that you're teaching with for one period of a day, it's like how much prep it's hard to even find time to prep with those individuals Mm -hmm. to make sure that you are co-teaching a class. So it's probably better off if they are just like the main teacher and then you are assisting where needed or something like that. Um, let me see. Uh, Maggie May 523 said, what are some of your favorite first day of school activities to get to know your high school kids and build community that aren't cheesy, man. I, I love just, cheesy, though. Do you really? I'm totally anti-cheesy. So this is not going to work. Uh, no. So what's, like, cheesy stuff that you like doing? Or not cheesy stuff? Well,
0: I don't know. You go. And then maybe I, maybe in my head what I think is cheesy is it's really cool, I, So I,
1: I don't I, – so I'll be honest. I skip the whole getting to know you activity, right, because for a couple of reasons. One, one – because we have new freshmen that that we're teaching that have come from all over the city and most of them don't know one another. Now, if they came from our middle school, some of those kids know one another. So it's kind of an unfair advantage. So if you already kind of know people, you're gonna feel more confident, you're gonna feel willing to get up. I remember in high school being thinking like, there's no way I'd ever wanna stand up in front of everyone and talk. That just sounds terrifying uh, because I didn't know anyone either. So I skip that and I try and put most of the focus on me so that the kids don't feel the focus on them. And I do that by the first day of school. They, um, I first tell them how excited I am to be there, that I'm thrilled to be their teacher, that I want to have a great year, that if they need anything, they come and ask me whether that's their locker is stuck or they don't know where to go for lunch or they they lost their schedule or they don't have a tie or whatever it is. Come talk to me. I'm, I'm a safe place to do that. And uh, I have them write letters to themselves. All ninth graders, first day of school, write letters to themselves that I give to them for sometimes five years later at graduation, and I hand those back out then. And so that gives them a place to like talk about themselves, but like just have a class where like there's not a bunch of rules being thrown at you, you're not trying to be intimidated, and you don't have to feel called out. The first project that we do, though, that we've agreed to do this year is... In that second week of school, they will have a project due that's called Your Life Odyssey, and they have to map out their lives in 10 events, right, from birth to now, what 10 events made you into the individual that you are. And this works really, really well because the kids get to think ahead of time about like the kind of individual they want to portray themselves to be because they're ninth grade, and so everyone's fronting most of the time anyway but also it gives us the chance to really learn about the students and find out like who's what's home life. Like what kind of sports do you like? What kind of video games do you like? What kind of awful experience have you been through in your life? Kids, they're really, really telling kids will just spill tons of stuff about themselves on these projects. And that's a really great way to get to know your students without like on the fly. Like what's your favorite sport? What's your favorite ice cream color? Because I feel like in ninth grade, you're like, I'm too cool for ice cream. Like, I don't even eat ice cream. <laughs> yeah. I eat, I don't know. Cool? So, I don't co- know what's
0: cool. Wrap chips.
1: Yeah, they do so have those wrap chips at the corner store. Yeah. yeah, welcome to the inner city. Um,
0: yeah. I thought so, someone was making a good point about co teaching. This is this is multitasking on a different it level. It is. That's why I have the not too sick helping me. Sorry, world. All
1: right, while my wife's looking for that, I am going to say that, oh, there it is. For Miss uh, Yonker, sorry, these shoot by.
0: And then I'm helping the kids build a relationship. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: How are you planning on helping the kids to build relationships with her? Oh, okay. So, um, kind of goes into that. one. One thing that I do all the time, I forget who that was. I really apologize, Carmen. Um, Carmen, hey, Carmen. One of the ways that we do that is one. I try to like always shine a light on whoever my co-teacher is right even if even if I don't particularly like gel with them so this will be easier because I feel like I can speak like honestly but to just say like oh Miss Yonkers does stuff like that or Miss Yonkers should tell you this really great story about herself when she did this thing or where she lived or where she worked before and I think if the kids see that I really because I it's fairly easy for me to to connect with students it's just that's like the gift that I have, like planning class and teaching content, not always connection. Um, that's what comes easy. So I always feel like the kids will like people because I like them or don't like them, which is why I always try and talk positively about all of the staff in my school. And like, if the kids are like dogging a teacher, I'll say, you know, they're really great. Do you know that outside of school, they're really good at this or like, I really like this about them. They always are, happy at parties. They're always, you know, they're always willing to help me after school if I need anything. And that really helps too. Plus, Miss Yonkers often eats lunch in my classroom with me and the 30 students that I eat with all the time. And that just helps build relationships also because she's really patient with guys. And I think they get to see that pretty early on, like that you care and that you're going to be really consistent and not like, be like shushed away by someone huh. if they want yeah to get rid of you. and I
0: think that's why I like being um, a special education teacher is that relationship building um, piece because as the you know the second teacher in the classroom I have the opportunity like someone's having a bad day and Reynolds will be like go to the hallway and then I can step outside or he can step outside so I feel like it's we didn't really I don't feel like no. we really had an issue with me trying to build relationships with them.
1: No, it, it that I feel like just took time, yeah. And I knew it was going to just take yeah. time, and so and that's the beginning of every year. Like it's so funny to see those kids that first day and you <laughs> don't know any of them. Um, why Nieto? Sure. All right. Um, <laughs> how do you how do you plan to teach? What will your mm. or will your co teach? Will you co teach? or teach the whole class and then create small groups for extra support. I'm searching for ideas on how to build relationships with my co-teacher. Mm. That's a really great idea. And I've tried a lot of different things mm-hmm. and I think we're planning on trying something different this year. Different. So, what do you
0: Um So I think our so it's different, right? So when you co-teach like math, you can be like, "Okay, you're going to take these five problems, or you're going to do the warm-up. I think in reading, it's a little more difficult because it's more organic. Like, conversation will come up, um, and so you kind of just have to, like, jump in. Like, one of us can always lead. I can do vocab. That's a given. Um, But I think, like, our idea, what we've been talking about, we've been playing around with small groups, but for our guys, that doesn't necessarily make the most sense, I don't think, because – They're pretty homogeneous in the sense, like, most of them, if not all, are all struggling readers. So if we put them in groups, um, you don't really have, like, strong readers to help bring up the struggling readers. So for us, it's, like, going to probably be whole class instruction. And then we did talk about doing um, some, like, interventions in place. If anyone knows a program, that's, I can throw that out there, um, that they can speak highly about, let us know. We did talk about doing some kind of like interventions on Wednesdays. We have half days, which I'm sure Reynolds has talked about. So we only like 25 minutes. Um, so it's normally like independent reading time, but that totally allows for time for like intervention. So if a student's struggling with something or didn't get something or needs, you know, some like phonics, which you don't really do at a high school level, it totally gives us the time to do that if that comes up.
1: Yeah. I, you know, one of the things I'll say I've noticed even in the little time, sorry, <laughs> from last year that we taught together was yeah. like, uh, and, and I think this speaks to, to that question because I think it depends on the type of individuals or the personalities that are together in the classroom. So there have been teachers in the past that I've done, like sent out or like they've taken like a small group of students and I've taught a different group of students so that we could with the idea of being able to differentiate our instruction. But what I would often have happened is uh, if I didn't trust that, that teacher was going to really do all the work, if they were going to like give the kids the answers or be too strict or too soft on the kids, like that's you're sending a lot of trust to another part of the room or to another classroom when you do that. And it's, it can make, when they come back, like, did they learn everything I wanted them to learn? Are the kids going to be able to, like, then go on to this next part of the lesson? So one of the things I really enjoyed about our relationship was, like, the going off of one another. Mm-hmm. And so one person's teaching and then someone else might chime in with something. And, and then that might lead to a different conversation. Or if a couple of um, – yeah, I, I think that's what I want to say about that. So I think it depends on the type of, of individuals. That needs to be a yeah. conversation between – the co-teacher and the two co-teachers to, yeah. to come up with what kind of thing they want to and
0: do. And it depends. It depends on your space too, because there's so many yeah. different like models of co-teaching. If you can do parallel teaching, where maybe you're splitting up and you're each doing something different. But for us, our classroom's square. So like, if I'm talking on one side and you're talking on the other, it's it's going to be a disservice to our students and not yeah not helpful.
1: Uh, question? Yeah. Land asks, what's up KaFoopaland? So are you in the same class at the same time or? uh, Oh, good morning. Oh, good morning. Where's she coming from? She's in Australia. If so, does your school have special funding to cover this? Uh, We have no special funding. We have, so Philadelphia keeps getting, so we're in West Philadelphia and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in general, just keeps getting their funding cut year after year after year. And so the idea, even when we don't need any special funding, we're going to literally try and make something from nothing and try and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, use donors choose to get some of the supplies that we need and make stuff if we have to. And like, just kind of, uh, kind of do what we can with what we have already. And I just think that with the mindset that we're going in, where we're like taking on that challenge instead of feeling daunted by it, that's. Kind of exciting for me, but we will be in the same room yeah. at the same time. So it'll be the two of us and about thirty students. And so I'm I'm thrilled to to get into that.
0: Yeah, no special funding. We have the full um, spectrum of uh, special education services. So we have this. is one of the co-taught classes, and always I have like a resource room um, and self-contained. So.
1: Um, I don't know what. uh Miss K by day, you're saying, I'm sorry, this keeps jumping around, but I see, I disagree as a gen ed teacher in an inclusion classroom, I always plan, it keeps jumping up. Um, with
0: co-teaching in mind, I'll take the intro.
1: And let my co-teacher read her task. And then, hold on, there's, but there's more. In my experience working together rather than.
0: Then one teach, one assist? Yes. I felt my students think of us as the teachers, yeah. So similar. I don't know if she disagrees with
1: that I don't know what he saying. Um, check out Drew's Thirty days of co-talk classrooms. I will tell so uh Miss K by Day is also saying Julie Coston has a book called Thirty Days of Co-Talk Classroom. That has a lot of great information about different classroom methods for best practice, which is great. So like uh I'm my wife's writing that the night's so secret wife is writing that down now because it, it has been something that we're trying to you know, I'm always telling new teachers, like, don't recreate the wheel. Find something that already worked for someone else and see if you can tweak that idea instead of just trying to brainstorm some brand new idea that may work or not work. Like, try and find something that already worked at least for someone else and then see if you can work that into what you're doing. Then that's what we've been doing in our planning as well. Let me see. You can find the one on there, but... uh So, oh, then Kifu uh follow-up was, do you guys only teach novels or are there texts from... Text forms. Text forms in your curriculum. So we can teach anything we want. In my regular ed classes, I used to teach five to six novels a year, plus the, the boys would have to do three to six independent reading books a year. So it's a lot, but I only... Taught literature. I didn't, they didn't have the, the writing portion was a whole another class, which was really awesome. Um, and for this class, it will be similar to that. But what our plan is to teach things that are like, have more stuff that's like periodical, like nonfiction based, right? So the studies that we've been talking about show that, uh, since we're in all boys school, that boys like reading things like newspaper articles, magazine articles, more than like a, a book of fiction. And reading that, and there's tons of really great lesson plans on like uh, NewYorkTimes.com or CNN.com. And what was some of the other things we were talking about doing?
0: Readworks.
1: Yeah, so, you want to talk about that? What that is?
0: Like, um, <clears throat> yeah. So there's a really great website called Readworks. It has all different uh, articles and. Like, they're all leveled, so you just go in and you can choose. And then there's article and maybe, like, five or six questions. It's great for progress monitoring for special education students. Um,
1: Which is one of our goals, too. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Like, how we're planning on, like, measuring success in the classroom? Yes. So far as we've gotten. So. (laughs) What's the idea, (laughs) anyway? What's the goal? uh,
0: Okay, so, I mean, special ed, I, I bring only, like, my lane is special education, so. Reynolds is really wonderful teaching with um, however, I always <laughs> uh, in most days. Um, I bring in like that special education side of stuff. so like data drives everything in special education, and something that we're not very good at. Uh, at least last year we weren't is kind of figuring out where our guys were and where they were going and kind of keeping better track of that. I was for my specific caseload, but that was only maybe like 10 guys out of the two classes that we taught, like 24,
1: so. Well, plus we get kids in, in the ninth grade, if they're new to our school, Yeah. sometimes they'll come in and their IEPs, so their, uh, individual education plan doesn't follow them, right? So if you're, I don't know what they call them in other places in the world, but ideally you have uh, a case manager and they help to formulate a plan that says like, this student needs these types of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, accommodations in the classroom, like so where they should sit, how much homework they should have. Um,
0: Best teaching practices normally, like a list of best teaching practices. And
1: those don't always follow the students very closely, nor do any test scores. So they might show up at our school and we find out three months in that they had like an IEP the whole year and we didn't Mm -hmm. know about it. And so the idea is for us to somehow come up with a mark of where they are in the beginning of ninth grade. And then measure them all the way through to the end of tenth grade, so that we can make sure that they're making progress the whole way. And then when they're done tenth grade, like have an idea of like where they were, and then that will help yeah. inform how we go and do things in the future as well.
0: Yeah, and having the students be a part of that is huge. Um, having them take that ownership, and I think too, like I was when we were on that phone call with that teacher the other day, we were t- saying like keeping it one hundred. yeah i sound so weird saying that um keeping it it 100 with the kids like hey you're on third grade reading level that's not okay so this is what we're gonna do you're gonna need to pay attention because we're gonna take you to the next grade grade level like that's what we want to do and that's why we're here and that's why you're here and get invested in it um i think just talking to them about that nobody ever does everyone wants to like tiptoe around it and i've had pretty good experience with like one of my students was on a third grade reading level seventh grade when he graduated eighth grade. We bumped him up to almost seventh grade. So that was like huge jump. We were using a program. that um, was really great about measuring too. So
1: Yeah. I think that's, that's a really good point too. And like keeping it real with your students, like not letting sometimes kids will be in a class and they'll act like, I don't even need to be in here. This isn't like, you know, I can read and it's like, no, you can't like your, your reading levels much lower than where it should be. But the exciting part is that we are going to do every single thing that we can a- as our pleasure to help you get to where you need to be. And I'm stoked to be able to yeah. make that jump for you because it's going to blow your mind by the end of next year where your reading level is. So th- it's, it's I, exciting. I think too, right. we
0: have the power to, to be like, you were chosen to, put, to be put in our class, which I really like this year. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I missed what you said. I'm sorry. I was reading that thing. Uh, no, I... Ask <laughs> That's
0: what <laughs> I said. I'm really bad at this. Okay. I got yeah. to talk you yeah. I'm literally the worst. I'm like, I'm sorry, what?
1: Yeah. When they say, like, don't text and drive <laughs> at the same time, no problem. I couldn't do that anyway. Like,
0: I'm so sorry, everyone. We're
1: someone... Get it.
0: get it together. Uh,
1: Miss Kay was also asking, oh. she was saying, Miss Yonkers, will you talk about your experience in inclusion versus self-contained? She's, she's sure. thinking about changing from special ed, or over. over to special ed from gen ed. Okay. Um...
0: Mm-hmm. So I don't know where you're coming from, like where you're, where you're like, if you're in suburban, rural, urban, I feel like that plays a a big difference. Um, Special education, a lot of the time in in the inner city, um, you wear so many hats. Uh, I love it, but it can be really stressful because a lot does fall on you, and sometimes you don't get to actually teach, which is what you went to school to do is to be a teacher. But there's so many other things that come into play, like case management, IEPs, behavior issues, being pulled out for meetings, um, for testing. So at our school, we're, we, we test students, we write the IEPs. Uh, so at some schools though there's like case managers and then there's teachers that's in an ideal world Um, I wouldn't have to be out of the classroom at all but sometimes that those days happen where like I have to be out of the classroom because I'm testing for a student for an upcoming IEP Um, my self-contained experience so what that looked like um, my first few years in teaching in Philadelphia my I started off as like a learning support teacher for a middle school so I was this learning support teacher for seventh and eighth grade. That was insane. I was supporting a lot of teachers and I was only one person. Um, And then it kind of turned into, there was like a growing need in emotional support. So then they made like a self-contained emotional support class and it was like me and five students, which is once again, not ideal. Um, And it was like just, there weren't even like truly emotional support students. They were just like the bad kids that they stuck in one classroom. Um, and that was horrific. I, I would. That was that was a rough, a rough go. My kids were great um, most days. My self-contained in Hawaii was really different. It was a life skills classroom, community-based instruction. We went out once a week. That was really amazing. I had support staff there that helped me. Um, it really depends. Like what? Ideally, I love teaching with a co-teacher. I think that it benefits not just the special education students, but also to your like bubble students, those students that are struggling. Um, and if you can figure out that partnership, and ju- it just benefits having two teachers in the classroom, being able to walk around, answer questions while one of you is teaching. It's just like, if someone's struggling with something, you can point it out. I just, I, for me, I really love teaching special ed, and I, that's always been on my heart. But it is, it's like teaching, under stacked under a lot of stuff
1: yeah and, and i think
0: that's a really winded answer so no
1: no no, no i think it was good because it was making me think of a lot of different like giving an idea of like depending on where you're teaching you like maybe you want to make that jump and maybe yeah. you want to investigate it before you do it yeah and Absolutely. not everyone has the freedom that kind of like or the i don't know the, the magic that we got <laughs> for this year to to be able to like create our own class oh, yeah. and do that. But one of the things I think that you pointed out that's really important to me is those students that would typically fly under the radar and they will now get extra help because there's two people in the class. And what happens a lot of times, I think, in some of these classes, is that like the students will get really like I don't they act out because they are below level. So if you ask me to read, I'm going to read like in a funny way or trying to muse everyone because I want to take the focus off the fact that I, I can't read very well. Yeah. And with two teachers, like with one teacher that can like those kids become like a vortex of your energy. They like just, they're like a black hole of time and energy because they need so much. And with yep. two teachers, you can really like someone can be handling that situation and, and the other person can be hitting those kids that are like that usually fly under the radar that don't get enough time and energy. And, i think that is huge yeah. because i mean i think those kids really need a lot of time and energy yeah. for a reason i don't discount it at all like you're acting out i get it man you're 14 and you're
0: well yeah being a
1: spaz like we can handle behavior
0: that. behavior is all communication so when you having like a behavior issue in your class that students communicating to you somehow you just need to figure out what it is and a lot of times i feel like um
1: was probably the answer to all things in the world it was and then Um, it escaped me if it comes back to you i'll jump into (laughs) miss jones second grade is
0: oh that's what i was gonna say miss you You were gonna
1: say miss jones second
0: grade. no i was gonna say oh oh, wait (laughs) no look you can't talk you can't We
1: can't. (laughs) We're learning. We're learning how this is going to work this year. This is what it's going to look like.
0: Welcome to our classroom. This is what it looks like to be a student. I'm I'm going to read her
1: name again and see if it comes back to you. Hello, (laughs) Miss Jones, second grade. Is asking, do your students keep portfolios of their work throughout the year? If so, are they electronic or hard copy? Uh, Have we talked about this yet?
0: We have the drawer. You had your drawer of work. Uh, I like portfolio work because when a parent comes in, you can pull stuff. However, with 14, 15 year old boys,
1: stuff gets lost.
0: Stuff gets
1: lost. Like their backpacks look like there's stuff from sixth grade in there. Like, and I think, so one of the ways that we've talked about, not a portfolio, but just a way to like kind of track week to week is having, what do we call them on Fridays? Reflections? Yeah. So there's like a reflection of like, here's what I did this week. Here's what I could have done better. Here's what we learned about this week. Uh, here's where I had a weakness or a strength this week. And, and questions like that, that they're manually filling in, we're keeping them on file. And then if you do have a parent teacher conference, the idea is like you could take those out, uh, and show parents or talk about some of the things that you're seeing maybe consistently in those, uh, which could just be useful. It's, it's always, it's always interesting. I, and I always tell first year teachers this as well, like listening to your students, like, hearing from them, like, what they think is hard or what they think is too easy or what, how, what they would like to learn about or how they would like the class to kind of pivot a little bit uh, can be interesting. You And you can just hear all that stuff. doesn't mean you have to do it, but it gives the kids a place to, like, speak their truth. And then for you to say, well, I understand that idea, but this is actually why I do it this way because I think this is better because you'll learn like this or, or whatever. Um, Harmony Abbey asked, will you provide... A menu for assignments so students can participate in a way that best fits them. Technolo- technology integration. Um, Do we uh, a menu? That's really interesting. That's I will say idea. we don't. Ninth grade doesn't have access to a lot of technology mm-hmm. in our school. In tenth grade, it becomes a like a one to one situation. So like all students get. Uh, I think they have Chromebooks. Yep. And. All of the students will have those until they're in twelfth grade. But in ninth grade, for whatever reason, they they don't get them. And so we have like computer carts. Sometimes you can get them, sometimes you can't. Sometimes someone forgot to plug it in. Sometimes someone broke a computer and put it back in there anyway, and you had no idea. Now you don't have enough computers for everyone in the class. So we generally don't get do a lot of technology in our class yeah. for that.
0: But this year we'll have sophomores. Yes. Um, and I think, too, when we when, – so we were talking a lot more about doing, like, service – not service – project-based um, learning, and that's definitely an option to do projects that are, like, maybe one group will make a play and another one can write another chapter. Like, yeah. we have that creativity and flexibility to do
1: that. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think, think we will. what that will also look like is – when a project is given kind of like giving students options on like how they want to maybe like present something or how they want, like what they want that project to look like. So oftentimes it'll be like several different choices. So I, I guess that's we do do what that. I'm thinking of in terms yeah. of menu. Like, uh, do yeah. you want to like act something out or record something or write something or create like a, like a visual, whether that's a PowerPoint or just old school poster board or something like that. So the kids do get that uh, or sometimes they're working in small groups. There'll be like four different jobs that need to be taken care of. And then they get to decide like who's going to do which job. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah.
0: Ms. K. congrats on getting your certs for special education. I think it what you'll realize special education is it's honestly just like learning best practices and it's going to make you, that much better in your general education class. So if you didn't feel comfortable taking that job, don't feel bad about that. Like you know what your strengths are, you know what you you want. So don't. Um, self-contained is a lot more work. Normally, not a whole lot of curriculum. Um, you're pulling a lot more. Teachers pace. Teachers is my best friend. Was my best friend. Um, so.
1: You had money for that in your first year. Uh, no, not so much. Were you just trying to open up that preview as wide as you could and then retyping that situation?
0: Free. Teachers pay teachers. Free was my best
1: friend. Oh, uh, yeah. I just type awesome or great <laughs> into any lesson plan. So looking for a lesson plan yeah. on the Odyssey, type in awesome lesson plan on the Odyssey and see what pops up. Uh, one swim chick who has asked questions before, uh, so hi, welcome back, um, said, when did you start opening your classroom for lunches with students? My second year of teaching, I think I started doing that because we did a project in my class that was, we turned my room into the Globe Theater, and so there, we used a ridiculous amount of bulletin board paper, much to the chagrin of the rest of the school, but we covered all the walls in bulletin board paper and, like, built projects. So, like, we made uh, Juliet's casket, and we made where, like, um... Prior Lawrence lived was in another corner. We made the balcony in another corner. And it was all made out of like cardboard and like trash that I got from Home Depot. And so when I started doing that, the kids were co- started coming trash. in. Oh, trash. <laughs> trash! Yeah, that's what we do. To get make something from nothing, kids. So in doing that, the kids were showing up early. They were staying really late, and they started coming in during lunch. And I guess sometime around that time, I just started noticing that like this is actually really great. Like they weren't always doing work during lunch sometimes they would just bring their lunch into my room where they would eat lunch and then come into my room and it gave me a time to connect with the students. And ever since then, I've, I've been doing it and some schools like it and some schools do not like it at all. And I think it really is, it's really based on the teacher and like, I so my guys know that you have to have a special hall pass for me and the security guards that are in the, uh, in our dining hall know that like if, you don't see that pass from me signed with the date, then you don't let those students up. And, and so, because otherwise you just have guys that are like roaming around the hall and then they go, Oh no, I was just hanging with Mr. Reynolds. It's like, no, you weren't, you weren't, you don't have a special pass with a headless dude on it. And so they, so yeah, that it's probably been since my second year and it's, it's literally like one of my favorite things that I do. Um, Next question is from Kifuple. What is your most successful reading improvement strategy? Oh.
0: Well, there's so many. Uh, I'm going to say know your student. Um, you have to know what is going to get them involved in your.
1: Can I get closer? We have to sit awkwardly yeah, close sit to one right another.
0: Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I lean this way, and then um, okay. So you you need to know what your student like. You need to know your students, and that's like one um, improvement. So for us, because they're in the general education classroom, there is not a whole lot of like phonics going on because that doesn't happen in the regular education room. Um, in all honesty, it's just building background knowledge and having them read. And I think that's the biggest struggle. So if that's something that Reynolds is really great at is getting them involved in reading and getting them to read and they don't even realize that they're reading. And I know that's like not really a great improvement strategy. But for us, it's just getting them to read those like, even if it's like a paragraph, even if it's like, You know, it's just getting them to read and do that consistently. Um, As far as, like, other reading improvement strategies.
1: Well, I'm going to go off that for a second because I think you hit on a really good point. Uh, I like that, I like when we read or we do a lot in class and the kids go, we don't even really do anything in here. Like, we don't really learn anything. And it's like, I don't know if that's a compliment or if that is bad, (laughs) but I feel like we do a lot of stuff in here. But last year when we read, I feel like, our, where we really hit our stride last year was we read Of Mice and Men mm-hmm. by John Steinbeck. And John Steinbeck wrote that as a, uh, not a screenplay, like a it was a script for a play that they, that they did of the book. And it really just took out a lot of like the, I don't know, the descriptive language, right? Which is always where the kids got lost. Every year when I would read it in class, they would just like, as soon as you start talking about how green those leaves are and how, blue the water was, and how dusty the air was, and what that looked like, and the light. I I love all that stuff, and sometimes we can do close reading, and, and really pick that apart, but most of the time, they just want the story to unfold, and when you're reading it as a play, you're giving every kid a part, and with certain classes, we would like, I could walk around, because I've read this so many times, and be like, you have to be really, really angry at this part, or like, you have to be like your feelings just got crushed or um, you're mad, like your little sister just got punched in the face, like whatever it took to kind of like evoke those feelings in the students, I would go around and whisper it to them. So they just kept exploding every single time that something happened. And I think the kids got really pulled into it. And then sometimes we would, uh, we would even play music really quietly under certain parts to kind of like amplify the emotion and they loved it. I mean, yeah. they when when the end of that story comes and this it's tragic. They were so sad. they were like they were so what sad. that really just happened. Like it was great because yeah. they were like invested in it. And then the class ended. And being I'm always mindful of where I end stories. So that in a particular day I want it like end somewhere where they're like, don't know what's gonna happen next. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 let's keep going. It's like, nope, that's exactly where I want. It to end this because it's going to build that anticipation for the next day. Even if I have time at the end of the class where I could have got through it. Nope. I'd rather end on a cliffhanger and you know.
0: Yeah. I think just in high school, it's just getting them convinced to read because they've come to us so defeated. Like it's really like kind of heartbreaking sometimes. Like they will say, I just, no matter how hard I try, I can't do this. Um, and so I think that's why they really love our – I'm going to speak to yeah. how what they think, but they love our class because um, it's something that they can find success in.
1: So. Yeah, I think that's 100 – because success in our class isn't the same for everyone, mm-hmm. right? So even the way that we grade things, it's not like this is out of 10, and if you got 7 right out of 10, now you have a 70 – it's going to be different for each kid, and and I just I think that that is really really important. And it mm-hmm. takes time. It takes getting to know your students. But I just think it means everything. Uh, three ninety four three hundred ninety four questions is asking what are your photo novels uh, right. if you have oh, oh what are your favorite novels if you have the choice what are our favorite novels so so
0: my personal favorite book or like. One that we like reading with the kids. Let's do both. Okay. I like The Alchemist, which I really want to read with our guys, but I
1: don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, I knew you were going to say that. But uh, <laughs> what about in class, in any class ever? What, what was your favorite thing to read?
0: In any class ever, student? Teaching students? Yeah. I really like The Bronx Masquerade, which, once again, I'm trying to think.
1: <laughs> we're going to make it happen this year. <laughs> Try to make that all happen. Uh,
0: <laughs> I'm making... Pretty much going to make it my best year ever by doing only the things that I like. Well, <laughs> Making it do them. who cares if the kids have yeah. the best year
1: ever? We just want to have the best no. year ever.
0: Yeah. What are
1: yours? I, I think my, oh gosh, favorite books of all time. I'm going to say one of them, this totally weird book that no one ever read. It's called The Hawk and the Dove by Penelope Wilcox. And it is about uh, monks in like the 1600s that live in England somewhere, and it's... You think it's about this, right? But it's about something totally different, and I like it for the same reason that I liked Battlestar Galactica, right? Not a Battlestar Galactica guy. I don't go to Comic-Con. I don't play, you know, uh, Settlers of Catan. I'm just, like, not that dude. I hang out with that dude a lot, but, uh, but you know... Battlestar Galactica, it could have been about anything. It didn't have to be set in space and be all sci-fi. It was the story that drove it. And that's one of the things I love helping students grasp is that, like, when we read um, the Odyssey, right, they're like, so old, so dumb. Like, what do we care about this anymore for? And it's like, no, like, the hero's journey is the hero's journey. Whether that's Batman Begins or Avengers or... um, I don't know, any other movie that you like or TV show that you like, it's, it's always been the same. Like people have had such, you're like, you're hurt and your celebrations in life aren't so different than most people in history on a, on a big level. Right. So like you either like getting your heart broken in the 1600s was just the same as getting your heart broken now. Like if you were 15 years old and I like to convey that to my students as much as possible. So, um, so, yeah, and then in class, I'd say, apparently, 451 is one of my favorite ones to read in class. Just no one ever likes it as much as I do. I just think it's brilliant.
0: You just had a really great answer, but I lost you if you said Battlestar Galactica. All I think of is The Office when he's like, Bears, Beats. Battlestar Galactica.
1: Bears, Beats, Battlestar. That's
0: all I think of. You know. Great answer.
1: I do. My wife makes me drink beet juice sometimes, too. I
0: have um, no connection with Bears. Mr. Rebi is on here.
1: Mr. Rebi. Who was an hey, old Mr. teacher. Rui. He used to be my department head. And now he's...
0: What is he's your high. favorite ice cream?
1: Favorite ice cream is mint chocolate chip, Mr. Um,
0: Mine is vegan ice cream.
1: Wow, which isn't really an ice
0: cream now, is it? <laughs> it is.
1: It's ice something else.
0: It's, no, listen. Everyone's jumping on this bandwagon. Ben & Jerry's. I think Haagen-Dazs. Um, there's a whole bunch more. What is more. it made
1: with if it's not made with cream? Coconut milk. No. So it's iced coconut milk.
0: Which is delicious. Or almond milk. <laughs> I don't know what out
1: Thanks, Rebi. Thanks for creating some tension in the room. Uh, New Leaf Teaching is asking, have you guys ever heard of New Zella? Uh, apparently yes. not. Yes. You have? I
0: have, yes. Oh, yeah.
1: Too cool for Mills. Yes. We'll talk about that. Um, which has leveled articles as, I'm sorry, I can't read this one. So. Um, level articles as well could be used too I love hearing this perspective from special education and collaborative collaboration between the two of you sounds awesome thank you thanks um, I think
0: we're pretty great
1: <laughs> so I guess you must have something out there I did, well uh, Tuchel cool from middle school talked about it when we yeah. met um, so I, I've, I've that's actually I'm I'm going to write it down actually because I'm going to look it up more because now I'm interested that you brought it up again but uh, my friend at Tukum for Middle School brought this up one time and was saying how she uses it in her class all the time because it, it connects kids with a level of reading that is, uh, can empower them and, and instead of making them feel like they are less than everyone else. Because I, I mean, I know for me growing up, I read, I still do, I still do everything slow. Like, I don't do, any, like, washing the dishes, my wife will wait, like, she's shaking her head right now. Because I'll get like through half of washing the dishes and she's like, could you please just move? Like we're going, literally the world's going to run out of water by the time you finish. And in school, I was always really slow at reading. And I remember when those first couple of kids would get done, it would make me crazy. And I would skim to the end or just pretend that I was done because I didn't want to look stupid or look like I was slow. And so I think that could be a really good option for us. Thank you. Yes.
0: For reminding. Uh,
1: what was that other question on here? Um. Oh, do you
0: invite your students yes. to their?
1: Yes. Do you invite your students to their own IEP meetings? Can you talk about why you would do that? Yeah. So,
0: in the state of Pennsylvania, um, when they turn 14, they get their own invitation. Uh, ideally, what I would love to see happening is our students running their own meetings. So we actually created. At our school, we have a transitions class, which is phenomenal because it gives us that time to work on those transition goals and have them kind of explore and do their. Um, sorry, I cannot multitask. We're <laughs> <I'm more similar laughs> nice <than those laughs> teachers. <laughs> I can multitask. not i over here. I know, and I know he can, which is what makes like me yell at him. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, Students, IP, yes. Yeah. Uh, I like so I really love right running my IEP meetings, I always make sure that my students don't feel talked at. Um, I always try to include them. Even if there's like something going on, I might ask them like, hey, this is what's happening. These are your grades. Why is this happening in this classroom? Or why is this teacher reporting this? Um, I try to give it a space to allow it to be a space for our students to share, but a lot of times um, they're really reluctant. Uh, They also don't like talking about the fact that they have a disability, which is in of itself like a whole other conversation. Um, so yes, they are invited. I can talk about
1: that. Uh, Lindsay Reynolds, a great name, first of all, okay. good work, uh, asked, she said that she lives in Florida and she gets a lot of students, I'm, I'm gonna paraphrase this, okay. from Puerto Rico, Colombia, yeah. Dominican Republic, okay. and oftentimes their IEPs don't follow them when they come to our country. And they don't get, and special education services aren't provided um, in the same way. And so, uh, so a lot of her students, she feels like they slip through the crack, cracks, uh, and it's so rewarding to help them get services that they need. You know, I, I hear you, Lindsay Reynolds, because I had a student come in a few years ago, and in the first IEP meeting that his he and his mom showed up to his mom just started crying, like profusely crying in, in the room. And I, I, you know, of course I asked why, because I can't not ask people like a hundred questions about themselves. And she said that he had grown up in schools where like, he didn't make the cut for special education services. And this was the first time that she'd ever had a meeting for him. And so he was in ninth grade and she had never been able to get him a meeting since kindergarten and how this was the first time. And you know, we, it's its hard because we, we see a lot of students that are like that. And when I worked in Camden, say about 60% of my population uh, spoke English as a second language. Like at home, everyone spoke Spanish because they were like either first or second generation in the country. And that's a huge hurdle to get over and You know, so let me say this to anyone that's dealing with that particular situation. It's really easy to see a kid come in that's in a situation like that and to think that you are going to be the one that's going to raise them up. You're going to be the one that's going to single-handedly jump in there and handle that situation. And I think that that is so Hollywood, but really it takes other people. So even if you don't have a co taught classroom, like make sure that you're touching base with the other people in your grade, that you maybe have like... um, commonalities in your classes for that particular student or those group of students that you're, you're, I don't know, doing in your classes to help them or to help provide a certain amount of structure for them or support. And then when they go to the next grade, like do, like going with them and and talking to their new teachers and letting them know what you did last year. So that what's happening there is the whole school is surrounding this group of students or even this one student, instead of like just, one teacher feeling like they're going to be the one that's going to like save that kid because, I don't know, they want to be invited to their graduation party or it's going to be part of your movie. Yeah. I have no idea.
0: But how neat is it that there's teachers out there that are, like, voicing that they know that they have students that need services? That The fact that you're aware of that and you're probably already providing that student with accommodations and services. Um, and your school should have some kind of, like, child fine Process if you refer yeah. them for special education services. I mean, I know it's, once again, ideal world.
1: Uh, I see Miss May just popped in here. Hey What's Ms. up, Miss May. May? I show your videos of Miss Yonkers, now she knows who you are. I
0: know Miss Fab, look, one Fab teacher is here, too. That's what I'm talking about? Oh, that's oh, Miss May. Oh, yeah. I know her. I know you as Fab. I just call her Fab You're only Fab. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> Del- Delilah Tespe, yeah. I apologize if I said your name wrong. Um, how do you get students to enjoy reading?
0: Make it as ridiculous
1: as possible. Pretty much, yeah. The more, <laughs> the more you make it not look like you're actually reading, the yeah. more kids will do it. So, again, playing music under stuff really, really works. Um, providing independent reading books, so like letting the kids pick books from Amazon or Barnes and Noble. So one of the ways, like, and again, I come from where we come from, a school that does not have a lot of funding, and so. But one of the small bits of money that we get every year, we're allowed to have students like order books or we can order books. So whether that's sometimes we go to like, I'll go to the thrift store or I'll go to like um, my local library has books that they give away. If they have like too many copies of something, I'll take some of those or I'll look for people that are giving away books and Then I supplement that with buying books from Amazon and trying to get them as cheap as I possibly can. Because I think if kids are reading stuff that they actually like, then they'll read. So I blow through a lot of sports books in our room. So like anything about LeBron James or um, Jay-Z's book, Decoded, I've gone through several of those that the kids just like tear through those books because it's like, oh, this actually counts. Like I don't have to read, I don't know. Walden, I get to read Decoded, or I get to read, uh, I don't know, 13 Reasons Why I got really big last year because of the TV show, or um, for kids that are like, there was a book that came out called X that was popular last year, which is Malcolm X's daughter wrote this book about her, her father when he was a young man, and so they, if they're interested in that, but like the autobiography of Malcolm X was too much for them, this is really it was really a great way to like introduce them to new stuff. So yeah, I think find books that your kids actually want to read and you'll have a better likelihood of reading them. And if, if you can't afford books, look for articles. Use like um, different websites to find articles about topics that your students would be interested in because those are always like very, very timely and are great connection points for students. Scottish Teaching Ninja asked... Do you do lesson plans together, and do you sh- or do you share and take turns? Uh, sorry if this has been asked already. It's not been asked already, but I think it's a really great question.
0: We don't have to do lesson plans. No. At school, which
1: a lot of people never- just screamed what yes. at the screen, I think, when they However, heard. we
0: do lesson plan. It just doesn't look.
1: We don't have to put it on yeah, a piece of we don't paper. It doesn't script.
0: have to be we have like a set in a form. Like what we're going to be teaching, but it's not like in other previous schools, I've had to like submit lesson plans every Thursday. In that case, yes, I was planning with my teacher.
1: Yeah.
0: I feel like we we plan, we just talk a lot.
1: Yeah. And figure out what we want to do. And a lot of that, the, the thing I love about the freedom in that is you never know when you have to pivot your lesson plan either. So maybe you did something one day and Nobody got it, or you're like that was a total failure. Yeah. No one got that, or everyone was crazy today, or they we had a fire drill in the middle of class, and now you know four classes are ahead of the other class, or something like that. It gives us that ability to like change really quickly, but there is a plan in place. Like so, yeah. what we've been writing this summer is uh, like a curriculum map, so, essentially, yeah. right? Thanks. Like a, shout out
0: to Mr. Reby, thanks for the calendar idea. Yeah,
1: and and a calendar, yeah, calendar of calendar. like. What day? Here's all the days of the month. These are all the days that we have something that's going on with the school. These are all the days that we have off. And then where are we going to fit in these lessons? And the beauty behind that is, if you if you plan on a macro like that, then you can see. Well, do I want to be done before Thanksgiving? If you're in the United States, Thanksgiving today we eat turkey and celebrate. I a little, a little turkey. It's kind of turkey.
0: Oh. <laughs> Sorry, threw you off. Keep going.
1: And do you have some fake ice cream when you're on that? <laughs> your um, so, <laughs> She's so, so what that allows you to do is like um, plan out and know what's going to be on what day. And it's really helpful. So, yeah, we don't have to do all the lesson planning kind of stuff usually. But we do plan all of our lessons together, but just not in that traditional way. Uh, mm-hmm. The bottom one? Yeah. Senior S said, what is one strategy that each of you has learned? From each other.
0: Oh, I've learned so much.
1: I, I'm trying the to, knowledge. I'm trying to I'm, uh, single something out.
0: Something a strategy? Can it be like a life strategy? I feel like I, what I've learned from Mr. Reynolds is to just not take yourself too serious in the classroom. I feel like special education is always like. I've got to do it this way, and this is the way it has to be. And, like, sometimes I'm too structured, which is complimentary to his lack
1: of... <laughs> lack of <laughs> magic. That's what I'm here for.
0: Um, But just don't take yourself too serious. Like, it's not... Yeah, you're going to have bad days sometimes. But, like, you know what? Tomorrow's a new day. It will be good, and it's going to be the best day ever.
1: I, I think um, it will be the best day ever. But yeah. I think from you, one of the things I really love that you do that just sort of reminded me of this is that students will try to intimidate you often. Um, But you never like back down from kids trying to, I remember we had a student last year that was like, at like, I'm not leaving this classroom. I'm not doing anything that you want me to do. And she was just like, okay, well, I need you to like pick up your pen or I need you to step out into the hallway. And just kept saying it until she like wore him down. And it, after it happened, I was like, dude, that was <laughs> Like I would either lose it or I would do something. Like my tactics are just much different. But, um, like I would just do something really silly or I'd figure out a way to kind of break the tension. But she was like very calmly and very patiently like, no, this is what I need you to do. And I'm like, and it actually worked. And I was like, This It just showed me also that, like, anyone can get the reaction out of the student they need them to have in that moment. So, like, we don't always get what we want. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes kids, like, they're right. We are wrong. and But when you are right or when you really need something to happen, that consistency uh, said in a very calm voice where the kids aren't getting that crazy reaction. you're You're not blowing up. They're not in control of the situation. Like, it's... I don't know. It just reminds me of like when they talk about how like water dripping on a rock for a long enough time will like It'll create. It down. Yeah. good job oh. Tor- torturing the students um, Who was that? Carmen asked the one from Carmen uh-huh. it would be so helpful during a difficult conference too that parents would feel like you're picking on my child that you have another adult backing you up. Man so that happened last year I think you dipped too. Cause <laughs> you like just came back. No, is You remember this Listen, going down? That. Hold
0: on! Don't throw me under the bus. No, no, no. I not
1: I, I, not no, I, I did sound like I was throwing you under the bus, but you had just like just, just gotten came. back. Yeah,
0: I did, and it wasn't a student. It was wasn't a student in our class. Yeah, it was uh, a student in one of your other classes. But you're right. I think having, but I don't. I've never had a parent be like.
1: That was the first time ever that yeah. I had a student, yeah. that mom come in and was really mad at me. But it no, turned no. out. Charmer. But it turned out that like the story was wrong or her perception of me was wrong. And when she left, it was, I felt like it was great. Like we were laughing about the situation and I felt like we were, it got to a really like a much better place than, than it was. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't help that our parent teacher conferences have like a lot of people in line. People sometimes wait about 45 minutes to meet with us. And so if you were a little bit pissed when you got in line, you're a lot pissed by the time you get to the front of the room. Look well,
0: like at these charming faces. Yeah. Who, can, yeah. who can talk them? I feel like it's, a, it's for just good.
1: it's like a game. Jenny J asked, "Do you get to play sports with kids at PE?
0: No, we don't have PE. No,
1: we don't have gym class in Philadelphia. Yeah, our kids have. <laughs> it is. I, I think." Don't. So I'm going to start off by saying this. I think my class, my school is fantastic. I love the administration. I think that a lot of the things that we aren't capable of doing are because they're just not part of the program. And so I think kids would benefit greatly from gym or from being able to go outside like after lunch and just play basketball or whatever for a while and hang out with their friends. But we don't have that. We also don't have the space. No.
0: Like, we do have Leadership Academy, though, which happens from 4 to 5. Just an
1: after-school program.
0: It's like after-school, and that's when they play, like, sports and stuff. Yeah. Um, we could do, like, an Ultimate Frisbee. I don't think anyone would play
1: Ultimate no. I also don't play sports. Don't so know. if everyone played sports with me, they would... Some kids would actually feel better about uh, themselves. Because they would be like, wow, they're i are worse talk, than I am.
0: I just talk smack. I don't actually play. I just tell them that I went.
1: Um, Mr.... Senior, I said that that's sad. My students have two PE periods a day. Dude, that's, that's awesome. awesome. That's like, awesome. I wish. Um, no, my son gets eight minutes. He's in fourth grade. He was in third grade last year. He gets eight minutes a day on the playground. Um, you, Eunice Flores, I think I said that right. Probably mm-hmm. not. Uh, said, how often do you, are you planning to meet? I am a high school sped mild to moderate Mild to moderate teacher who will have two self-contained classes. A social studies class uh, for my caseload and two co-teaching classes. Did I say
0: that
1: wrong? Yeah, yeah. social studies. Oh.
0: So you wrote. I teach reading. I guess maybe what it sounds like, I'm going to take a guess. Go for it. They rotate. So that's kind of crazy that you have that many classes. So you know how you teach like five different English classes? Yeah. It would be like. You're teaching self-contained, self-contained study skills, and then you would teach with someone. So that Thank sounds you. like a lot. Um, my, So depending on what you're, hopefully you're co-teaching with the same teacher, that would allow for some wiggle room. Um, planning, figuring out that planning piece, and that's what I was saying earlier, so difficult. And it's so important because then as a special education teacher, you're not just like walking into a room like Flung into stuff like, all right, I'm just going to wing this because I have no idea what's being taught today. Um, Lunch, I know that kind of stinks, but like if you could meet with lunch and just kind of talk about it during lunch.
1: Yeah. Um, So I I mean, I plan on us uh, at least touching base every day uh, this year. And a lot of times we'll do that. And sometimes, you know, I think we make things into a bigger deal than they need to be like that planning time. Could be like depending on your experience level, could be very short and could just be like, okay, here's my plan for the week, this is what I want to do. And we could, um, mm-hmm. oh, I did say the name right. So I think, I just think that, um, no, oh, stop. all right, stop just, ignore me. Just, I
0: think just, I she should. you want to squeeze it on the bed? No, no, that's why <laughs> she's <just>
1: the not <laughs> so So they, what am I saying? I think planning together is important. I don't think it needs to be all the time. And I don't think it needs to take as much time as necessary. I think if I was going to do that uh, and I wasn't with Miss Yonkers all day, I think I would probably try and find out like every Tuesday we meet or every Tuesday and Thursday we Mm -hmm. meet or something like that. So that we had that time built in because during the school year, your time is so fleeting and just disappears out of nowhere and, And if you don't have things scheduled, then they don't get done.
0: So when I, ta- when I co- taught with, like, four different people, that's what I would do. Like, every Tuesday, I would meet with this one teacher. And then, obviously, when you're planning a weeks in-, in advance and sometimes things come up, you-, yeah. you have to be flexible. But I think that's being part of – like, being a special education teacher, that's part of it.
1: Cool. All right. Um, so let's do this. We're at an hour and 12. Okay. If – Anyone has any other questions? If we didn't get to your question, could you please put it in the comment section? I promise you I will get it back to you. But my children are coming downstairs now because they know that it's been an hour and they're going to ask to go to bed because my daughter is the only child in the world I know that asks to go to bed. And she looks very... She's probably going to ask for more ice cream. So I really appreciate your questions also. If you have any resources for special education that you think would benefit our class this year, I'm going to go ahead and ask. And I've never asked for anything before. If you could leave that in the comment section, something for us just to kind of like look up and, and look through and see if it's a good fit. Um, I'm saying goodbye. You want to say goodbye?
0: Oh, thanks so much. There's Marley. Just, hey, Marley. Mar- you look tired. I'm tired. Is it time for bed? No.
1: All right not time for that it is
0: thanks K, it's You're not so yeah
1: it's 9 15 here in uh in reach out
0: to me uh-huh. East Coast. sorry yes thanks. yeah if you, what we do.
1: Yep. We here it is <laughs> um so that's it thanks guys so much for watching i really really Bye. appreciate it hope you have the greatest <gasps> night ever And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it, and I hope you have a great week. Peace.